Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 166. Our Sunday worship service for May 24th, 2020 is Let It Be. It is the sixth and final in the series Pray Like This. When we pray, can we make room for miracles? So the scripture today is Matthew 6, 13. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, we just said that, but it bears repetition. It's one of those things that at the end of the prayer, it just feels like something you're supposed to say. And I want us to remember how deliberate all of this is. I want us to take a moment and think about that, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, as something purposeful and important. There's something really powerful that goes on in that little moment. It's not just the sign-off. It's not, you know, Happy Days was filmed before a live studio audience and then you cut to commercial. There's something else that has to happen there. But it's also not the flattery section. You know what I mean? I think that so often in the prayer process, you feel like, okay, here's the part where I give God my laundry list, pretend like he's Santa Claus. Here's the part where I talk about all the reasons that I'm no good. And now here's the flattery section where I tell God how great God is. Think about the prayers that that you may have been exposed to in one way or another, and you'll see those patterns. But understand with me that those are not Jesus patterns. He didn't do that. Think about this with me. I think that sometimes there's a tendency to create God in our image instead of the other way around. And it's one of the things that we have to keep working on and being attentive to because it comes up. I get it that sometimes people feel like, well, I feel like I need validation and I feel egotistical sometimes and self-centered sometimes and I feel like I need buttering up. And so I'm going to project all that onto God and think about how weird that is. I mean, first of all, You're not supposed to make God in your image, but if you are going to make God in your image, which again, not supposed to do, but if you are going to do that, at least make God the best version of your aspirations instead of that weird manager you used to have at your old job who wouldn't give you a promotion unless you were obsequious, you know? That's not the thing. Put another way, don't you think God already knows who God is? (laughs) You know what I mean? So what's that for? Look, Here's one of the deepest lessons that you can learn in life. Are you ready? The lesson is that ego is the opposite of love. If you want a loving situation, you have to be willing to jump into something, to be vulnerable to something, to to find the things that connect us. And all of those things are the opposite. Ego divides and ego sets apart and ego withdraws and ego needs validation instead of giving affection, for example. So, if God is love, do the math with me, if God is love, then you got to know that an ego-based approach isn't the language that we ought to use when we're talking about our Father, right? So, this is not just boilerplate signing off at the end of the prayer, and it's also not the flattery section. So, what is it? I mean, we know that Jesus didn't mince words. We know that Jesus was very informal and right there in real life. It's one of the things I love about the Jesus Christ message and Jesus' story is that he was right there. This is not ivory tower theology. He was right there in the middle of everything. And I love that. I want to be like that, don't you? 
I want to really live this life because these ideas apply to this life. And so what I'm trying to say is that thing at the end of the Lord's Prayer is not just flowery words. What I want you to know, and maybe it's something that has occurred to you by now as we've worked through this together, is that the Lord's Prayer is an encapsulation of the whole Jesus Christ theology. If you really get the Lord's Prayer, you have a good bead on everything that Jesus taught and talked about and lived. It's the whole deal just compressed down into a very manageable package. Remember, Jesus said to the people, When you pray, and remember, prayer is the whole deal. Prayer is the language of spirituality. It's how we do our religion. It's how we express our relationship with God. It's how miracles happen. It's the whole thing, right? It's the most important thing. And so Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. So imagine that you're writing this prayer. Put yourself in that situation for a second. You go, this is my one shot to get the point across, right? This is the thing that we memorize. This is the thing that we say every Sunday or every day, I hope, one way or another. This is the message. This is the thing that that you're putting out there into the universe. There is not an accidental word in the thing because this is the time capsule, so to speak, right? Every word is important and intentional and useful. There's no boilerplate here. Get it? So what does it mean if it's not flattery? If it's not ego, if it's not just something you're supposed to say at the end because you're supposed to say it because you learned it in Sunday school, then what the heck is it? The deal is that this part of the Lord's Prayer represents perhaps the most important part of the prayer process because in this part, this is where we let God be God. This is the part where we remember that this is all God's work, that this is all God's power, that this is all God's presence. This is the part when we get out of the way. And in some ways, this is where miracles begin, right? Because God can't fix what you can't release. We've talked about that, right? This is a doubling down on that. And I recognize that in some ways, this is the hardest thing to do because in our culture, we're taught to get out in front of stuff. And I'm saying what the Lord's Prayer says, which is get out of the way of something. But I promise you, if you get good at letting it be, just like the song says, if you get good at letting it be in your prayer, you're going to get good at letting it be in your life, and you're going to make room for miracles. That's what we're talking about. And that's why the first line of this part is, for thine is the kingdom. That sounds okay, right? I like the idea that this is God's kingdom. It sounds grand, right? That's a kind of a big deal. I guess it depends on what your idea of, of a kingdom is. I mean, what kind of monarchs do you think about when you hear that word, when you hear the word king or queen or something like that? What do you think of? Do you think of like Queen Elizabeth? What do you think of? Do you think of some terrible tyrant? What do you think of? King Arthur? What? Remember that Jesus used words that people understood to express ideas that are beyond understanding. He wasn't trying to say that, that God has a throne and has a, you know, a duke and stuff like that. He was trying to say, okay, people listening, I know you know what kingdoms are. This is like that. It's a parable, right? And it's a great way to teach somebody something. You take something that they're aware of and you say, this big idea is like that. Jesus taught that way all the time. But there's a downside to that, right? The downside to saying the kingdom of God is that if you've got a weird 
dysfunctional, abusive idea of kingdom, you're bound to project those weird, dysfunctional, abusive ideas onto God. And that's not the intention. Once again, remember, we this part comes last because we've already talked about the idea that God is our Father, that God happens to like your face, that this is the thing, right? This is why we have to do this in this part. Think about how you would be if you were a king or a queen. Think about how you would be if you were a ruler or an emperor or whatever. Think about how you do things. Because there are a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, who think that the idea is once I become successful, I'm going to tell everybody what to do. If I win the lottery, I'm going to roll over everybody. I'm going to tell those people how I really feel, and I'm going to cause some hurt. I'm going to move some things around. I'm going to be the worst patron at every restaurant. Because that's what being successful is, right? There are people who think that. There are people who pray and pray and hope and dream and pray some more about, can I please win the lottery so that I can be the biggest jerk ever? And I got to tell you, maybe they don't use those words, but the the intention is really there. I got to tell you that that is precisely why they never win the lottery. Because again, think about it with me. God is love. If your dream is a dream of ego, you're never going to connect those two things. Have a bigger dream. Have a more loving dream. God, in other words, this is what I'm trying to say, God ain't that kind of king. The cruel tyrant of some people's imaginations. That's all it is, is a figment of imagination. That's not how this works, but you know that because, like I said, we started this thing with our Father. This is a completely different idea. And there's a whole school of thought around this weird idea of king. They call it dominion theology. They say God is this weird king who makes everybody afraid and and throws his weight around, and I'm made in the image and likeness of God, and so therefore my divine right is to just roll over everything and ruin the environment and be mean to people who are different than me and all of that. It's called dominion theology. But I don't think that's what dominion means. You know? I mean, think about it with me. First of all, I don't believe that about God. It doesn't make sense with what I know about God, with the miracles that I've experienced in my life, with the love I feel in my heart. It doesn't match up, but... What I always say when somebody points out the dominion thing, I say, you know, you know, my kids are grown now, but obviously they weren't always. And when they were smaller, I might have a babysitter. And I would expect that a babysitter would have dominion, right? I'd expect them to be in charge. But I would not expect the babysitter to eat my children. You know, that ain't what dominion means. So let's think about a different idea of the for thine is the kingdom part. It doesn't mean a cruel thing. It means, here's what it means, everything is God's house. Everything. If you're writing stuff down, that's the thing I want you to write down. Everything is God's house. Think about how different that is. I don't know how you grew up, but there's a lot of people who grew up with this idea that it is the designated day of the week, put on your special designated shiny shoes, and we're going to go to this special designated place, and that's God's house, and we behave differently in God's house, and we're nice in God's house, right? I get that, and I am a big fan of having reverence. That's important, but... What do you do in the other six days of the week? What if we expand our idea to have room for the, the concept that this is all God's house? There's no exceptions. It's not okay, in other words, to only treat people nice who are inside those special walls, that gated community, right? 
If this is all God's house, this is a companion piece, a mirror image of the Our Father idea. We are all in this together, and I'm going to start acting that way. This is all God's house. That's a good affirmation. And it's very different than that destination mentality that a lot of people have. They spend so much time trying to get somewhere, to get retired, to get married, to get graduated, to get promoted, to get buried is really the end goal of that weird finish line mentality. That's not what you want. Your job is to be somewhere instead of trying to get somewhere. And that's very different. And that difference starts with the idea that this is all God's house. It has to do with being okay with someone else being in charge. And one of the things that I say a lot is when you pray, you've heard me say this, when you pray, are you looking for God's ideas or are you looking for more of yours? Who got you in trouble in the first place, right? Lead us not into temptation. Do you want more of God's ideas or do you want more of yours? And that's why the next line of the prayer, we said, for thine is the kingdom, and now we say, for thine is the power. That's the next part. In other words, I look to God and I remember that this is a God thing happening. Whatever's happening in my life, this is a God thing happening. I'm looking for love in all the right places. And that's a big deal because you know what it feels like to look in the wrong place. That feeling when you pour the cereal and you realize that there's no milk in the house, spiritually speaking. You know, that feeling of this job is going to tell me who I am and it's going to provide and I'm going to feel good about myself because of this job I work. Well, your job can't give you identity. And if you treat it that way, you're in for disappointment. Once again, cereal, no milk, maybe not even good cereal, the kind with the marshmallows that I like. You know what I mean? You know what it is to be in a situation where you say, this person, they're going to be my love partner and they're going to be all that love is to me. And you realize that that's not how this works. And you're looking for something that they're not set up to give, not their fault. And you didn't know any better. So don't beat yourself up. But you know, the real lesson is I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to look in a better place. And that's the lesson here. So part of the for thine is the power part is the idea that I am going to remember to look to God. Now, we've talked about graven images before, the idea that I'm going to have all kinds of intermediaries between myself and God. I can't pray unless I've got all my special religious paraphernalia around me. And we've talked about how that can really get in the way. Those things are shadows, and we're talking about the sun, you know? Spell that however you want. But... It's not just about graven images out there. I want to double down on that because at this point in the prayer, part of the message of God being the power is you shouldn't make a graven image of yourself. That's a big deal. It's easy to not carve any idols. I haven't carved any today. But it might not be quite so easy to remember that you're not supposed to be the source of good in your life. It's very tempting, right? I mean, there's this whole idea that I'm going to make this happen. If it is to be, it's up to me, which sounds good, but that's not how it works at all. There's this idea that I'm supposed to be some kind of a co-creator with God, which once again, sounds good, but that's not how it works. Look, if you buy a car, you are not the co-creator of that car. Some people in a factory somewhere far away made that car. That's not your job. You're not the co-creator. You paid for it. Maybe you're still paying for it. Your job is not the co-creator of that car. Your job is to drive the thing. It's an important job. 
But we got to focus on that job. We got to literally stay in our lane. Someone else created it. You're not the co-creator. You are driving it and you can drive it to school and learn something. You can drive it to the food bank and, and help somebody, or you can drive it to a bar, or you can drive it in a ditch. That's your job. And the moment we start keeping our eye on that metaphorical ball and start letting God be the creator, not some kind of co-creator, this isn't a Captain and Tennille situation. I could have gone with Hall and Oates. I like Captain and Tennille. But we're going to do this differently now. We're going to let God be God. So here is the real message. Again, God doesn't get tired. You've heard me say that before. God doesn't require treats. Think about your life. Are you doing some things that wear you out? Does that mean you're given from a God place or from an ego place? I'm not here to judge you. We can work past it. But think about that. Take that moment to answer that question. And also, once again, God doesn't require treats. The sun doesn't require a prize for rising, right? Do you need treats to get through your day? Oh man, if I do this thing I hate doing, I'm going to have raviolis and a nap later on or whatever it is. You know, people give themselves treats and I like treats too. But think about this. If my life is so painful that I require medication to get through it in one way or another, maybe there's something I could change about my life. Think about it. There are some people that, that are so treat focused that they think that one day when I win the lottery, when I get the answered prayer, then my whole life is just going to be about the prizes and I'm not ever going to do anything. Mm. that's exactly the opposite. And I got to tell you, it's why the prayer doesn't work. If you're praying a prayer of, can I please not ever do anything? And can I please just have a lot of treats? It's not going to come through because you're not built for that. God moves and acts and is, and you are made in that image, in that likeness. You are a dynamic being. Don't pray the prayer of stagnation anymore. Look, I know that I've got a lot of things to learn in this life, and I'm happily trying to learn them. But one of the things that I know for sure is if I won the lottery that I never played, but if I did, if I got the prayer answered, and I have little prayers answered all the time, but the big one is if somebody said you could do anything you want, this is what I'd be doing. Some version of this, some flavor of more of this. And so like I said, I know I got all kinds of learning and growing to do, but I know that I'm on the right track because I would pay to do this. In fact, I usually do. That's how I know. You've got some version of that in your own life. What would you pay to do? What do you never want to stop doing? What do you not require treats in order to do? What doesn't make you tired? That's the thing you're supposed to give your heart to. It will teach you more about what you're supposed to give your heart to next. That's the prayer. And so what I'm trying to say is this part of the Lord's Prayer can be thought of like this. You ready? This is another thing to write down. If it is happening in my life, it is God happening. If it is happening in my life, it is God happening. I'm not talking about worshiping the little moments. I'm talking about seeing God through those little moments. This is a mystical thing. Understand that behind whatever is appearing in front of you, there is a network of things that go back and back and back and regress back to that moment when that divine spark happened. Your job is to see God happening in and through what's going on. It's the two boats and a helicopter joke all over again. God is happening through the hands of those doctors, through the hands of those people working on the thing, through the hands of whoever's making something happen. God is working through each and every atom and molecule. God is working through the science and the philosophy and the religion of every moment. If you want prayers that work, see God at work and something happens. For thine is the glory. 
Your job is just to remember. Your job is to celebrate this, this amazing moment. And yeah, I know sometimes there's weird stuff going on, but the weird stuff will keep going on until you see God happening in and through it, right? You are where you are to learn something. Maybe that's what you're here to learn. Give God the glory. And it's not, once again, it's not about buttering God up. That doesn't work. But it's about remembering something really important that God happened here. In and through whatever else it looks like, God happened here. In and through whatever else it feels like, God happened here. And when I know that, something gets unlocked for me and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I can begin to to grow in in, in a completely different way. And I got to tell you, that's that's really the thing that, that you're here to do. Can you say... Amen. I guess that's the question. Because that's the part. Here we are. And again, that's not the sign-off. Amen isn't a synonym for something like aloha. You know, that's not how this works. Amen's an important word. And we've talked a little bit about this. Remember I said some time ago, and I like to say it, so you've heard me say it before here or there. Amen can be thought of something like, I agree with this. I see it. And so it is, is one of the things that we say sometimes instead of or in addition to amen. The image that I like to use when I talk about this is, you've seen the political ad and the end of the ad where it says you should vote for this person to be the dog catcher or the comptroller or whatever. Um, my name is John Smith, and I approve this message. You've heard that at the end of all of those, and it means this is okay with me, right? That's kind of what amen means. When you get to the end of the prayer, the question is, can it be okay with you. I've said that part before, but now here we are. I want to double down and say something that I haven't said before about this because the word approve means something very important. When I say I approve this message, which is what amen means, I want you to understand that the word approve means literally from the root word, it means I am proof of. When I approve this message, it means I am proof of this message. You can look at my life and see this happening. That's the big deal. This has gone from passive acquiescence into active agreement. When you look at my life, you can see it happening. So I got to ask you, what is your life proof of? Because man, oh man, you can pray the prayer of truth and love and beauty, but in your life, if you're not telling the truth, if you're not loving anybody and you don't have room for anything beautiful in your life, it doesn't really matter what you pray for. You've got to be proof of something. Take a look at your life. Can you be proof of something good? And look, we've all got growing to do, but there's something beautiful about you, not later, now. There's something loving about you, not later, now. There's something true about you, not later, but now, not anywhere else, but here. What is your life proof of? How can you lean into that? That is what this means. Look, here's the deal. Prayer is how this whole thing works. You want to be good at anything in life. Learn how to pray, because prayer is where this starts. And one of the most impactful things you can do, the thing that turns the prayer from that thing I know I'm supposed to say into this power in your life, the thing that does that is active gratitude. You know that giving thanks for something means using the gifts in your real life, being proof of something. What can you prove by what you say, by what you do, by what you think? 
That's what's on the table. And people say, okay, well, how do I do that? How do, how do I make room for that? And I say once again, remember that for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. It means look to God. Do you have whole cards in your life? In other words, do you have plan Bs? Do you have other things you're going to do? Because you know what they say. If you have a plan B, you're going to use it. Maybe it's time to put God first. Maybe it's time to discard the whole cards. Maybe it's time to look just to God. And people say, okay, I get it. It sounds great. I don't know how to, how to exercise that muscle. So here's what I'm putting out to you. We have just got done reading through and thinking through and living through the whole Lord's Prayer. And those are words you know. You can find them in the Bible. And if you go to our website, they're right there on our prayers page. You have access to the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you haven't seen every single video in this series. Go back and watch them. But here's the challenge. Give me 30 days. You can do anything for 30 days. And every day for this 30 days, I want you to find a place where you can get still and quiet. Say the Lord's Prayer. That's all. Now you know what it means. Think about what it means when you say those words and find a way to approve that message. Things will change for you. Give me 30 days. Make it a habit. You will find a little bit of healing. It's going to make other healing easier. You will find a little bit of love. and It's going to make bigger love easier. You will find out that nothing can hold you back. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do, based on what you've heard, can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.